Hey, it's Demi, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. This week, I chat with fellow digital nomad and friend Tiff, who is the founder of The Social Story Co. We discuss Tiff's journey to fully remote life and her experience in hustle culture style workplaces that left her burnt out. Her journey of starting her own business, how you can make an impact in your workplace and navigating social media today. Tiff shares some awesome insights into her struggle with living life by her own terms, the importance of community and always pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Let's jump straight into episode 49 of the podcast, From Corporate Hustle to Nomadic and Mindful Business Owner. Hey Tiff, thank you so much for coming on the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today. Yeah, no, it's such a pleasure. I've been listening to you guys for a while. Yeah, no, really excited to be on it. I feel like it's been a long time coming. We've never actually met but we like (laughs) know each other through the most random experience ever right but don't know each other through that experience like exactly I think like our paths are just kept like weaving in and out of each other's and then like you're kind of the same person as me but at the same time like not and yeah obviously like we've never actually met in person which just makes it so strange literally me and tiff both did this random course in south mm-hmm. america where we like traveled and upskilled so if you've listened to my episode about quitting my job and moving to south america that was pretty much what i was talking about and tiff had done it before then yeah. and then we just I don't know. It just happens. I feel like that community is so small that mm-hmm. even if you haven't done traveled and done the experience with the person, everyone kind of knows each other. Like, I feel like I know a few people that I haven't met. Yeah, for sure. And like, uh, there's two of my close friends now um, were in the tribe after mine and the one that, that after that as well. And the three of us all Aussie as well, really coincidentally had chatted a lot. And then, like, you know, years later, we're in Bali together having dinner. And I was like, oh, I have never met you guys before. Like, I don't even know some really basic details about you. Like, how old you are? Like, how'd you get to this place and stuff? But like, feel like I know them so well, just by the fact that we're all connected in this community, uh, similar to you, I guess, as well. Um, it's really nice. Like, I love that community that like, you know, isn't based on really stupid things. And it's, it's also weird. I think it's one of the beauties of socials as well. Mm. I think it's, it's relationships like that, that you can cultivate online where you're like, oh fuck, like this place isn't as toxic as it is. Like, yes, it is very toxic at times, but also we're able to connect in ways that we never have and like know people, even though yeah. we've never met them, which is crazy. For sure. There's, there's a real love language in sharing memes and reacting to each other's Instagram posts, you know, like that, that's where real friendships are made. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I just realized we have been speaking for like five minutes and I haven't even introduced you properly. So what is your name, age, and what do you do or what are you known for? So my name is Tiff. I'm 27 years old. I had to think about that for a sec. Um, I uh, am a social storyteller. I help brands tell their story through social media. And Tiff, the you 
you tell stories through your business, right? The social story. Yeah, yeah. So we're social media agency, like, you know, in very much the same way as most other agencies out there, but with a real focus on storytelling rather than just content. You work fully remotely, right? So that is with your business. You've made it in a way where the the idea is that you are able to work from wherever you want, right? 100%. Like building the business, one, was a way for me to continue working remotely um, to kind of really sustain that lifestyle of, of mainly traveling, let's be honest. But also like in building out a team now, I've made a real conscious effort to make sure that they're all empowered to be remote and most of them are global as well and that's had a lot of benefits for how we run the business from from just so many levels no it's amazing and I want to I want to start there at Mm -hmm. you having the fully remote business and having people everyone that you work with or for be able to be that as well Secondly, bring it back to how the hell did you get there? <laughs> Which I know uh, is a long intertwined story, oh, but yeah. this is the stuff that everyone wants to know because, sure. and I'm sure like similar to myself, the idea of being able to work and travel was the craziest concept ever, right? I had no idea. Like literally it just, I, I still can't believe it. <laughs> I know I think when we spoke on the phone the other day I was saying to you like before COVID had hit I was like I literally thought I hacked life like I thought I was like some genius and I was like what do you mean like how did this happen I look back at my photos I'm like that's not me like (laughs) it was that crazy bitch and you're like oh yeah, it was a moment in time. It's so sad mm. now, but we'll get back there. We we'll will get, get back, back there. there. But let's rewind into mm-hmm. when, maybe let's start with, what did you study at school? I did a Bachelor of Arts, meaning communication. My interest was always in communications and the media. I originally thought I was going to go into journalism and then realized I just like did not enjoy the life there. <laughs> like the freelance life was never going to be for me. And yeah, it, it turned me off quite a lot in how, you know, the industry was set up in a way that just meant you grind for 10 years before you get anywhere in the media industry. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, communications was always, you know, where I was going to land. I think social wasn't even really a part of the degree and I didn't graduate that long ago. <laughs> it was literally just one week in one course in the fourth year or no third third or fourth year or something like that uh, which is crazy but then I was doing all these internships throughout my degree just to gain that work experience and build up the portfolio and stuff and they kind of just threw me into doing social because you're the young kid just go post on Facebook but you know seven eight years later here I am actually doing it for a job (laughs) it's so funny that because I did commerce and I majored in Mm. marketing and we had zero on digital it's definitely like you know a very practical thing social media and digital marketing in general like you kind of just have to do it even when I was going into uni people had warned me against the particular course I was doing because it was going to be really theory based just because I'm a bit of a nerd I ended up loving that side of it because it meant you got into all the kind of like communications theory and like all this stuff like one thing I always bring up that I learned was we had this whole I think it was just a week on like reality television and why we watch it 
and it still like sticks with me about like either they're living out the life that you can't live or you're like sitting there judging them because you're like oh I would never do that and so like when I'm watching Married at First Sight I'm doing it for like intellectual purposes to really test out that theory not because I secretly love this trash tv um but things like that yeah it was like incredibly theoretical around you know communications theory and that sort of thing and that's actually been somewhat helpful in some ways as I've moved into some strategy work and that side of things but at the same time like to actually gain any knowledge and understanding of social in and of itself yeah I learned close to nothing in my uni degree (laughs) like I love them but like you know it didn't really help me where I am today (laughs) and it and it is like like you said socials is such a practical and you can't just assume we can think that we're about to create like the best content ever and we can think it's amazing and then you put it out there to the audience and they're like don't care Mm, just don't care care. I think that's kind of also why I went back to talking about storytelling with social as well was like going back to basics of like what content works for people and like how to emotionally connect with people had to go back to basics rather than like oh I just got to do the TikTok trend because it's a TikTok trend you're like actually take a step back and think about it from kind of just more an emotional and human level and that always helps as well so I think it it's definitely a balance between like uh I'm so entrenched in social but like that, that that's then what turns a social media user into like a social media manager as well is the fact that we can think about it more analytically and in the larger picture rather than just but I took that internship in my final year of uni and then got the job straight out of it so I worked part-time at that job while also finishing up uni in what was an insanely hectic year because I'd also like screwed up my units and ended up having to do like all the major projects all in the final semester like it was ridiculous like yeah let's build a website with all its content and do a six-minute documentary it like two thesis while I was also working part yeah it was stupid of me but you know um I remember the day I finally handed in my last assignment I was actually at work kind of just like finished it all up like sent it off closed my personal laptop swung around in my chair to my work laptop and kept working which was just insane so like yeah that that transition into work life kind of happened very quickly and just got thrown into this really large agency in Sydney working in the social team within a PR agency so um, it was still like you know distinctly social um, but uh, it's still PR led at that point. And how was that experience for you? Yeah it was um, it was a learning one. Uh, (laughs) Learned a lot. It really just kind of felt like you're getting thrown in the deep end. Like I, in a way, like baptism by fire for sure. And I think it was good in the sense that it gave me a lot of perspective of the industry in general and where social fit into it for one, but also the huge limitations of it. Like I was working on a very major tech client, which I probably should not name and it was like it was one of those things that you know it looks amazing on the resume and still to this day when there's an item of the agency I worked for and the clients I worked for with them is there everyone's like oh nice like you know 
great started off the career exactly how I was supposed to but it also made me realize a lot of the limitations of something like that from the fact that you know it's a global company that we're working for but that means budgets in Australia aren't as big and so that limits what you can do in marketing so just like people's understanding of social and how it fit into the wider media landscape and how that again limited us then more so a lot of like office politics and yeah everything they said in our media degree about how you just grind out as the juniors for years on end like seeing that in practice was um was really interesting it was it was really hard because I think particularly coming from an intern into a full-time position there I felt like I was in that intern mindset still for my entire time there like you know you just jump on anything you say yes to everything you try like to jump on any project just so you can learn as much as you can but then at the same time like you forget to take on any boundaries and I was literally working like 14 hour days every day and like not really getting any recognition for that um and yeah starting to see that I wasn't even growing because of that so yeah it was it was a really interesting like like I learned a lot (laughs) but it really broke me like I was completely burnt out by the end of it just um yeah I I went to a really dark place actually towards the end of my time there just because I think I'd one like not taking any minute to even break from uni and what was a really stressful year at uni as well to also just like over committing into this job and really feeling like I couldn't say no to a lot of things and instead needed to take initiative to say yes to everything um so uh yeah it was it was definitely an interesting one and it's so common in the space especially in agencies yeah and it was really hard because I think you know there is that mentality that it's all just hustle and agencies are fast paced and so showing any sign of weakness that you might not be able to handle things actually felt like a real you know weakness and a failure on my part um you know I had one moment particularly I just remember I had a full breakdown at work and I've been holding it in for so long, but like just co- like completely broke down um, and had stepped into another room to kind of just like cry it out. And I come back into the main office as I hear a manager just go, but she doesn't even have that much work on. And it was like one of those moments where you're just like, wow, okay. It, it took a while to actually figure out that like that manager just didn't have my best interests at heart. Mm. But instead that felt like a personal failure for me that, yeah, I wasn't able to hack that much work kind of thing. And that's such a bad mindset to have because, you know, we need to know our own boundaries and our own capacities to work and everything rather than have them set that for you and tell you what is enough or not, mm. you know, Um, you know people work at different paces people can take on more or less and that sort of thing and that's not their personal failure it's actually a real strength to know where your boundaries lie yeah it was just this whole culture of hustle 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 and um, it just really stung to be seen that way and we won't even go into the like debacle of trying to get a pay rise and everything because that was a whole nother nightmare (laughs) where they literally just like yeah just it just really made you realize the 
value they had for you and it was down to just monetary they were like we can't promote you because that will increase your charge rate to the client and then like our budgets will be fucked and I'm like <laughs> like they're literally not my problem <laughs> it was like well then you need to do a better job budgeting because it even gets to a point where they wouldn't let anyone else in the team work on it because they would go over the budgets but I was the cheapest in the team so they'd make me do all the work with no understanding of my capacity and how much of the work I had on so when they kind of like value you only as your monetary value that really yeah that kind of yeah it broke me it's it's so you know I think like the the worst thing is and, and I I do this all the time even like now with the work I do it's that thinking mm-hmm. of like I'm not doing enough or like, oh, I feel guilty because I want to actually have a life and not be in that hustle culture all the time. Say no to things. You know, when people like will question you on like, oh, why did you not? You you know, you can do more. Like, you know, you can, if you did this, you'd be able to. I was like, I know. You could be hitting six figures. And I'm like, I don't don't want to. Yeah, I know. I know. Thank you. That's amazing. Um, I'm happy though. Yeah. So, and it's like I don't, I don't want to be super flashy. Like, yes, I like to enjoy myself as well, but like, I don't need to be earning mil- millions of dollars either. So, yeah. why would I work myself to the point of that only to get it like you know ten years down the track? Because and the worst part is that goes. it sounds like at that time you were working yourself to the bone and not even getting made anything, which is like the worst part about those kinds of like workplaces, which is, is super common. It's so common. It's crazy and a shame, a shame. And I think, I guess also like, it's probably because our industry is still quite new, you know, people don't. And I know you speak about this a lot. People just don't actually understand all of the shit we actually do. Yeah. It's not really regulated in the same way Mm -hmm. a lot of other industries are yeah I do remember going to this young people in advertising networking event thing love that and it was about like kind of mental health in the workplace and stuff and the first question they go is like okay so like you know icebreaker turn to the person next to you and tell them about the last time you cried at work and my gosh they had to like stop us from chatting like 20 minutes through because everyone's like oh my gosh so then like yesterday I was like back in that room and like my friends and I at work had a system of like booking out a particular meeting room to like go have cry sessions together. And like only once did like my manager kind of come through and she's like, um, the three of you guys don't work on a client together. Why are you guys always having meetings? I'm like, don't worry about it. We, we can't tell you. Um, but like, yeah, it's just, it's so toxic to be in a culture like that. And there's, yeah, there's no no support for it either because everyone's just like, well, we went through it as well. Um, you know, like th- this is just how it is. And so I don't think we talk about mental health and boundaries at all, um, let alone in social when it is a 24-7 job, um, if, if you want it to be, um, and, and, and what that really means for particularly the juniors who are usually ones doing the grunt work in the middle of the night. Yeah. And, and uh, that, like, that point was, was really good as well, because it's not just the workplace mm. culture stuff that you're dealing with um, and that being exhausting mentally, but the secondary part to that is 
working in socials takes such a toll on your mental health as well and it's usually a fresh out of uni person who's doing stuff like that as well and it is so damaging yeah and I guess for people who aren't in the space and like are trying Mm -hmm. to understand this it's like if you're scroll, like if there is a big world event and you're scrolling through your Instagram feed and every mm-hmm. second post is about story or situation and you almost feel as though depressed going on social media because you're constantly seeing this stuff, mm-hmm. that's almost like that on steroids for someone behind these kinds of pages. And so yeah. if you can like imagine that, that's where this kind of thing is. And the fact that there is no training there is no like discussion about this when you're in the like when you're learning about coming into a role like that there is no Mm -hmm. support there is no like the fact that we don't teach anything about social media in like high schools and primary schools is like one of my biggest are you well yeah what It's, it's insane it's just like in the same way that you're supposed to be nice to people on the playground yeah that somehow disappears once it gets on social and you completely forget that you just need to be bloody nice to someone. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Like, you know, it, it is so easy to type out your anger very quickly and jump on things and the kind of instantaneousness of the platform makes us really susceptible to doing that, you know, a quick retweet when we don't think about it or whatever that might be. But the more we can be really conscious of who's seeing what we're doing, you know, what do you actually contribute by saying that and whether or not you should actually say it? I think that's really like that. That's what where we need to go. And I think social platforms are slowly getting there. Like I know even Tinder are starting to put um, that filter that like they'll be able to kind of detect if it seems like a kind of abusive message mm. just to remind you, like, do you really want to send that? I mean, there's only so much that can do. You can still post it. But I think it is about having that check before you do going like, oh, did you really mean that kind of thing? And the more we can kind of like entrench that in our own behavior, like subconsciously, um, I think that will be really positive in how we use social moving forward. Um, Because unfortunately, I obviously still love social. (laughs) (laughs) Still will work in it. Um, I just, you know, want everyone to be a bit nicer. Yeah. But I guess it also brings up the the point of like holding like these big platforms accountable to yeah. implement those kinds of things, to be more regulatory in a lot of this stuff. It's become what it is from the people who used it. Yeah. I think Twitter is a fantastic example of that because it's now this like crazy, you know, news making platform, you know, that has the potential to start interactions as well as great racial movements and that sort of thing but like when you look at the history of like why Jack Dorsey and the other guy (laughs) started it it was like literally it was based on like Foursquare it was basically just a check-in platform it wasn't supposed to become what it was and it was people powered as to where it is now I think that's with every social platform and you know we're starting to see things like oh you know boycotts of Facebook and advertising that sort of thing and cool like you know that's good but you know only does so much but I think as late as it came as well the banning of like the previous president on all the channels and stuff like that I think is starting to show a shift that platforms know that 
they can no longer put up their hands and say we're a tech platform this isn't our role to play which is what they've been doing for all these years yeah. like the zucks of the world were all just like no 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 we're just we're just tech yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't play in this it's up to you guys but you have to recognize that their power has gone beyond that and to just be like good global citizens and you know good humans which we hope they are but who knows they need to actually take that responsibility and realize that they've become a really important part of society and need to take these active steps to slow how much hate is there that the fact there was an insurrection you know like it's crazy things like that like that they need to step up to and I think there is a move towards that it needs to be more but again it needs to be people powered as well like we need it from both sides that people need to understand what they're doing and do it better and also the platforms need to take on the responsibility that you have now as you know a huge social phenomenon like no yeah you're, you're totally right it's definitely like a collective work and it's like acknowledging that and being like okay like let's create that conversation in a school or in a workplace or and yeah. it's like also empowering people to like report bad behavior like I don't know many people actually go report it's spam it's inappropriate but yeah. you can do that and the more it gets reported they will get banned from a platform. Mm. So you do have power to take away these trolls and just report them, delete them. And yes, also turn off from them. I think people just need to know their power on social and take on the responsibility to do it better. We've moved very, this is, <laughs> this is the trouble with, I knew this was going to happen a lot with our conversations because we cross over in so many ways. Exactly. I'm like, this is not going to go the direction it's going to go and around isn't that life um, no, but no it, it's awesome that was that was a really great discussion what, what what I want to what I want to move into is from that toxic mm. I'm calling it toxic you didn't yeah. workplace that you were in moving from there what happened so you hit kind of like a breaking point mm-hmm. and was this when you decided you needed a break or you were still no actually yeah, yeah. um of course like, not because we all need a few reminders before we get to a point yeah so I knew I needed to leave so I started applying for other jobs and that was even that was just a crazy experience because like interviewing that much you really have to like at least pretend you believe in yourself and mm-hmm. sell yourself a little bit and I'd realized I'd lost so much confidence that that was just like a really emotional journey for me. But at the same time, I'd be just like putting out these resumes and be getting like put in front of head of social roles. And I was like, bloody hell, that's that's like five levels above what I am. And the fact that that was like coinciding with a company that was refusing to promote me properly, it was just like, whoa, okay, so... I, I do have a chance to back myself. I ended up moving, sidestepping though, over to another agency that was more socially led, creative agency. And I was like, okay, I know it could be the same bullshit, but I know myself now. I'll be okay. <laughs> but instead, like, I just burnt out in different ways. That was that point when I was like, I need a complete break. Um, you know, I still, you know, love that agency and I owe a lot to my manager there who took a lot of care for me as well to make sure I didn't burn out <laughs> but like you know it was it was hard to do when I hadn't healed from my previous experience either you know you were still in that environment 
I, I think like, yeah, I just needed a complete break. And eventually I was like, you know what? I'm quitting my job. I'm taking a sabbatical. I just need six to 12 months. I was still pretty young um, in the industry uh, comparatively. So I knew I had the time to do it. And I just wanted to travel. I've always loved traveling. This uh, course that we both uh, went on kind of came at exactly the right time. Like I remember it was like February of 2017. I'd kind of told my friend, I was like, no, I'm going to do it this year. I'll quit in six months because I just started this job. But I was like, I want to make it at least a year just so it doesn't look bad on your resume. You know, that classic yeah, 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 that's line. I see you talk about it and stuff. But like, yeah, it's so true. Right? And then um, I was like, I'm going to make it to a year. And thank goodness for her because she was like, I'm holding you accountable. Put a diary note and was like, in six months, I'm calling you quitting your job mm-hmm. and literally two days before I got into that program and I quit my job the next day it was wild uh, so it just it all kind of fell into place a little bit I just knew I needed to take the break and leave for a little while and take that space so yeah that's that's when I started traveling and <laughs> <laughs> didn't really stop <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> what I think is really interesting is you do high school, you go to uni, you went straight into the workforce. And then it's like, can I quit? Like, can I take a break? I think I'm past gap year time. That was the strangest thing was like, yeah, I did it. You know, like, you know, usual Australian degrees are three years. Mine was four years anyways. I'd done the whole thing. I'd done uh, high school, went straight to uni for four years, then went to my job. But I'd hit this other, like hit these interviews and stuff like that. And they'd be like, wow, you're so young for like how much experience you have. And I'm like, where, where did I go wrong? Like, should I have taken five years to just like live off the road and become a shaman or whatever? Like who, like I, I was so confused at the same time because I'm like, I followed the path I was supposed to follow. Have I missed something? So I think that did empower me a bit to go, fuck it, go do this sabbatical now because otherwise like, I think I would have absolutely just gone further and further into my depression kind of thing. But yeah, it was, it was such a strange place to be in because I was like, this is supposed to be the pathway everyone takes. And yet somehow people are confused as to why I'm here now at this age. So it bought myself at least a couple of years, I think. It was really scary to go, I've only done this for two and a half years and I'm already burnt out. Like, these guys have been doing it for 30 years. Like, uh, like, yeah, have I failed so completely and like, you know, need out of this industry now when it's only been a couple of years. It, it was really scary to kind of accept that. But then I think this course that we did, like gave me such a crutch to go, okay, well, let's just, let's just do this. It's an upskilling thing. I honestly left that door open at my old job to go in six months I'll come straight back into the job if all else fails but little did they know I'd actually been thinking about quitting and taking the sabbatical for much longer than the day of this course accepting me (laughs) this is like my exact like this is literally like my this part of it is my exact story it was like the core again the reason like I needed an excuse to take a break and my reason was a little different in the fact that I'm not quitting my job to do nothing I'm upskilling and traveling so I was like I'm not I'm not just like 
at 25 deciding to like leave everything and like yeah. do nothing I'm like no no no, I'm still doing something exactly so fucked like I remember writing a blog um saying like I fucked up my gap year because yeah. all I did was the course and then straight after that I started working at safety wing which is where we kind of our paths like crossed again properly crossed, yeah. <laughs> yeah properly crossed oh that's so like, true I, I had the same thing within my first month of doing this course I was at a co-working space so my course was actually in southeast asia so I was in Bali Thailand and Vietnam and my first job Bali I was in this co-working space and saw someone's like oh I need help with some like Facebook ads I'm like oh I can help you <laughs> And then just like accidentally picked up a few freelance gigs here and there. And I'm like, oh, I guess I may as well like start my freelance career. And I was like, oh my God, what happened to this whole break and just flying off? And I mean, like the first year, let's be honest, I used most of my savings was just picking up small jobs. So like, I feel like I still got a little bit of the gap here and there, but it was still me trying to like, get jobs as well so yeah yeah because you feel like you're like I, I like am I gonna be dead when I come back like are people is this gonna ruin everything taking yeah. a whole year or six months or whatever like people worry about that I know like a lot of yeah. people worry about that all the time and I'm like the right businesses really the ones that you actually want to be working for don't give a fuck exactly <laughs> anyway yeah I was like scared to get out of the game Um, you know you're on a momentum you're on this pathway and stuff like that and I'm like oh having a year off in your resume is gonna look so bad like especially in social when things change so quickly you're like am I gonna know what I'm doing when I come back but it has definitely been the complete opposite experience for me and yeah it's 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 not worth having that (laughs) so you have life experience is gonna be better 100% (laughs) You've had your, you had your fair share of hustle, toxic, and also good workplaces, but still experiencing, but because you can experience burnout, even in places that are amazing too. Like it does not matter. It that like that kind of stuff has no bounds. There's no rules around it. Right. So you had all of that. You're on your kind of sabbatical. You're starting to experience this thing of like, meeting all of these new people and being exposed to a new kind of community and way of living and way of life where were those like realizations how did those like puzzle pieces start coming together people live like this (laughs) yeah it was I like I owe a lot to that co-working space in Bali just shout out dojo because I love that place so much because it was that whole community like I think from from that place I spent uh, ended up all together have spent like nine months in Bali on and off and have built such a community with people there that to the point where I was in some random bathroom in Budapest just like out at a club and some girl is waiting for me as I come out of the cubicle it's like Tiffany and she's like she knows me from dojo and that sort of thing like it's built this whole global community which on one hand is just absolutely amazing because anywhere I go now I know I've got some friends but at the same time it was just the sort of people you're talking to they've broken from that conventional idea of like you know what success means but they're they're builders like they want to create and that was something that was so inspiring to me like you'd have just these bullshit conversations about like, (laughs) what if we made an app like this? 
And then you turn around and someone's like, so I bought the um, domain name. We're going to build this. Like, let's just make this landing page and stuff like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, like there was such this air of possibility and who cares if it fails because you tried. And I felt so inspired by that and so empowered by it because you're just like, yeah, let's just give it a go. We're, we're carving a new path here. We're looking at things differently. And if, if it fails, it fails. Like I've still got some safeguards. Like at that point I felt like I could still go back to my job if I needed to, um, you know, had savings. My parents were very supportive, thankfully. I mean, it took them a while. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, you know, as in they'll support me if I really fail. They'd still love it if I went back to a corporate job. But yeah, it, it was just like, it, it was just so exciting because you just like, the possibilities were endless of what you could do. And having conversations about things like that, that you were just like coming up with ideas rather than like all this bullshit around oh yeah and this is where I cried at work again today and I still feel like that even after coming back to Sydney that most of our conversations are around bullshit at work and I think in trying to do something different you actually took steps to do it like you know you're willing to understand that yes the workplace was toxic and this but then what are you going to do about it like I found myself getting so frustrated with people who were just like oh and then my boss said this and, was, and I'm just like, okay, so what the, the, quit. And they're like, oh, no, I can't. And you're like, well, then don't complain. Like it was just really frustrating to kind of sit in that paradox. And I'm like, I get it. I was there. You feel like you can't get out for sure. But at the same time, like you've got to make a change and it's up to you to do that. And it was really nice being around people who were doing that. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like it is you go up and down with getting front. Like I have that same frustration with people all the time. It's yeah. like, it gets to a point and I've been there as well where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to quit or I'm going to do this. or I'm going to do that. And it does, it is a process for you to get to the spot. Yeah. Some people never get there because they're not willing to like those. I think that's the the thing that makes like at those kind of co-working spaces, how you were like, Oh, they've just like bought the domain name and yeah. they just started doing that stuff. It's because like we get to a point where we're like, okay so you fail so mm. you felt fa- like big t- you tried it's the tried mentality versus like I'm so scared to do something because all of the bad possibilities are going to 100%. my life is over versus all of the bad things that happen is just part of the learning curve and it's yeah. the process which I think is the shift in mindset when you do start taking an alternative path essentially in any form of anything like even starting a new hobby later on in life or moving states or finding a new community like all of that stuff it takes that same vulnerability and courage that it does yeah it's just trying right yeah and I also feel like you know I was in this kind of environment where they only wanted to hear about your successes Mm -hmm. like yes we can commiserate together on what was hard to get there but at the same time it was all about the successes so I even like when I think about my business I've been working on it for about two years but only really about a year and a half really kind of announced it and officially launched once I had a hot shit website that felt like we had at least four or five clients who were really secure and that sort of thing and I'm like because I felt like I needed to prove that like oh I took this other path but I can't tell you about it 
until I'm thriving in it, which is really hard because it has been a really difficult journey to be here and it hasn't always been easy. And like, I think it's good to know that it's not been easy. Like even now we're, we're <laughs> I have to remind myself that we're doing quite well, but I'm just <laughs> like, but why do I feel like I don't know anything? And it, it's really hard mindset to get out of. And in kind of the perception of it as well. Like, you know, we can try and say that we don't care what other people think. I was speaking to another girl actually who very similar journey to mine, worked in agencies for a while now doing our own business and that sort of thing. And we still measure ourselves to the old success metrics. Like I never got account director on my resume. Who the fuck has? (laughs) I'm now like, you know, the managing director, let's be honest. But I'm just like, "Mm, but on the resume, still looks like I was just an account manager. And it's just like, why am I even caring about something like that when I am trying to define myself on different terms? Um, Yeah, it's just this constant balance, I think. Um, You've got to almost remind yourself to go back into that that great mindset um, that you do have around those communities of like, no. You know, we're thriving for different things. Mm-hmm. We're going to live how we want to live. Um, and if that means doing a few nights in a hostel because I'm trying to push this startup through, so be it. I'm so glad you said that because it is true. Like, it's so hard to unlearn the th- the way mm. things were, right? And, th- and that's a lot of the things that when I started doing this kind of stuff, it was all unlearning. And still now I find myself, like, oh, it's nine o'clock, shit, like, uh, I'm, I'm late for what like for for what (laughs) like what do you mean like or I I find myself in in these different routines like oh if I didn't sleep the night before I'm like oh fuck like my alarm's still going at 7 30 I'm like it doesn't have to I'll just work later like I'll do something like you know it's not unless I've got a meeting or something like that like this is why I chose to do my life like this and then you almost feel I don't know about you but like I always feel like guilty or like people thinking like oh like I'm lazy or whatever yeah Yeah, it's that and I think it's definitely still because the remote work world still isn't really as valued and respected as it should be like I felt like I had to particularly like the perception of people working and living in Bali yeah (laughs) I mean it was it was very photogenic let's be honest but at the same time like everyone there hustled really hard everyone's working a lot and yes cool my afternoons aren't you know spent at the beach but mm-hmm. I'm working at all like you know late every night as well and that sort of thing but I I definitely had to juggle like almost trying to prove myself even more particularly if I was working with clients in Australia and some of my old work clients here as well just because I'm like no no no, I really am working here I, I know it looks pretty but I'm working just as hard, if not harder. Yeah, I think we just need to just understand people work in their own ways. And I really do think that this past year has made a huge difference in changing that perception because people understand what working at home really is like. And I hope that will continue moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I was in... um... I was in um, Patagonia and I was like hiking during the day, but in the morning, like I would get up early, I would do like an hour, two hours of work. And then when I came home from a hike, I'd do like another hour of work. And I swear to God, that was the equivalent of one day in the office because sometimes when you focus office, yeah, it was focus time. I was well rested. I had 
been out doing things I loved and I'm I'm so much more productive and I think that that's what a lot of people like don't realize about like doing lifestyle or working this way you work faster and better because you are able to recharge yourself properly you know And, and I'm big on those traps too, as well. Like I know I will still be able to burn myself out even in this area as well. I do that all the time to myself, but when you do it right, it's so good. Yeah. And I think it's um like, I work a lot with like flow states and stuff as well. So I know my best times are early mornings and late nights. Me at like two to five, I'm completely useless. So why am I sitting at a computer trying to work? when I can be using that time to, you know, go work out or just take a walk. Um, like I'll have a late lunch instead during that time because I know my brain's not going to work anyways. And I think, yes, we can still lend ourselves to more burnout and that sort of thing. But giving yourself the space to also understand that and be really mindful of when you're most productive, what you need to do to recharge and that sort of thing makes you better prepared to be able to deal with your burnout as well and actually at least try and make steps towards it like um like instead now I'm not like oh screw it I didn't work nine to five I'm now more like oh damn I didn't work out today because I know that would have made me feel better um and that's a whole other thing just <laughs> setting my own boundaries um this year but um yeah I think even just shifting that mentality to actually understand how you work is really powerful in structuring your day towards that. I think particularly in creativity as well, um, like ideas and creativity aren't supposed to work on a nine to five structure. Um, You have to be able to allow yourself to do the other things, to move the ideas into the other side of your brain and let them just stay there before they come back and you think about it logically. So giving yourself the time to actually Oh, the, the best example is always Sherlock Holmes because that's why he always like randomly plays the piano or does like really random things, right? Is because he's actually moving his um, his thought process to the other side of his brain to let it just stay there, before, like to almost stimulate the creative side of your brain to then think about things in a different way. Um, <laughs> well, I love that. In that yeah. way. <laughs> You're really nerdy and like so these like ideas and like creativity stuff but it's true and I remember actually my last agency tried to start implementing that with their creative team by going two to five is ideas time you do not talk to any of the creatives if you're going to brief anyone have any questions feedback you're only allowed to do it like right in the morning and at the end because that afternoon they need to have that uninterrupted time not having emails just doing whatever they need to do even if they go for a walk at the cafe in practice you know yeah. I think that's what we all need to be doing, to be honest, because like that's how our brains work. Like we're not supposed to sit in there nine to five. It just doesn't work that way. So the more we're mindful of how we actually work best, the better and more workplaces that can empower you to do that and take your own time to do it rather than make you come into an office and sit there for nine to five, um, the better the outcome will be taking time to understand how you work it's a process and I think like the thing that comes out of that for like people listening is like even though we're still like working this way it's still a a learning process for us still now like you know I'm still don't have my head fully wrapped around like what my days look like and I still want some form of routine my routine just looks a lot different to 
your routine or the next person's routine or the other person's routine. And I'm figuring out, like you said, those flow states, the times that I work really well, the times that I don't, when I fit in certain things, how I fit in like my social circles that actually work those regular hours and what communities I can have to keep motivated because sometimes when you are working in environments like this if you're not around people that are doing the same yeah you can fall into other traps of like 100 percent oh i'm gonna the only time you can have dinner is when everyone's finished work so you may as well work until they finish and you're like yeah that destroys it all yeah no exactly you started working with like getting clients back on you were coming to australia then going overseas traveling and then traveling and and doing a lot of these kinds of things so where did the decision kind of come to start picking up clients was it like that freelance stuff and you started realizing like oh this is something that I can start doing is that where things started for you yeah pretty much I was like sitting around that co-working space doing the study part of our course but then I looked around I'm like hang on I could be doing that social lends itself very easily as a digital nomad job so yeah, I, I first started freelancing, but like I said at the beginning of the call, freelance life was not meant for me. I just don't like that side of the hustle of constantly pitching for new work. And like, I felt like I wasn't able to manage it very well with like either I have five clients all at once and was overwhelmed. And then you're like going five weeks without anything. Yeah. And just with like how much I was on the road and wanting to stay like traveling quite a lot and that sort of thing I needed a more predictable income so that's what ended up um, transitioning me over to just having a bit more of an agent structure so that you know it was more manageable I had more long-term retainers and also was better able to manage bringing in some subcontractors and stuff as well to help me out yeah no amazing the the other thing is when you're starting in work like this like you said it's about figuring out what works for you so you realize quickly that like the freelance thing wasn't your kind of style but then it's also when you start being in environments like this I think maybe it's even like our age like as we get older as well you start caring about different things your values change and you start wanting to do more like purposeful work as well 100% you do a lot of when I teach class I always get a lot of students like asking questions and stuff and they're like oh I want to work for a company that cares and all of this stuff and I'm like yes you do but you don't always get to work with people that you love or agree with the stuff that they're doing all the time unfortunately sometimes we just don't get to be in those positions and we have to slowly build up to getting there unless we've got a great support system around us and we're able to make those decisions and stuff like that. But it is a transition. It is a privilege to get to a point where you're like, I can say no to work because I've got this thing and I can turn these clients down for X, Y, Z reasons. Yeah. Yeah, It's definitely been a journey. So I guess for a bit of context, the social story. So my business is for like four purpose brands. So we help conscious brands tell their stories. So ideally, you know, my dream is to work with a lot of like social enterprises and people just doing good with the world. But it's not always that, particularly at the beginning of last year when we lost 70% of our clientele because of COVID. You know, even just like building back over the past year, we've definitely made concessions on some of this kind of like social enterprise tick box that we wanted. But at the same day, you know, I think 
we still lead with our values at like and me personally and understanding your sphere your sphere of influence can still mean you make impact so I think particularly with social you know some of my values that come through all the time is obviously like this kind of kindness thing we were talking about before about just like you know are we making good in the world and diversity both racial and gender and to be honest that can be done for any client so even in finding stock images if you're conscious about are you finding diverse images are you able to you know you know include some more racial diversity if you take responsibility and know what you're doing even from such a small scale there's always things we can be doing whether it is in your own like workplace culture to actually challenge things like I even remember at one point in my old agency it was all a bunch of dudes at the top of the food chain talking about like how mothers watch tv and I was the junior one in the team. I usually am not even in those meetings, but they just needed a note taker. So I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm sorry, have you spoken to a mother recently? Because that's not right. And it, it's hard as hell to be having those conversations. And I felt like I really shouldn't have been, but speaking up in those sort of areas is really important. It's why like anytime some tone deaf advertising campaign comes out and you're like, how the hell did that happen? There's at least 10 to 15 people who are involved in an advertising campaign. Just one person needs to speak up and go, hey, that was wrong. Like, I think there's a really fantastic example when it's an SNL skit about the Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner. I was like, surely this has to be the Kendall Jenner thing. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, and then, yeah, so they're like this SNL skit is like the director of it is like calling his sister, going like, oh, it's so cool. Like yeah we've got Kendall Jenner and like she gives a Pepsi and then he's like oh oh so we shouldn't do that oh no 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 like put put on the brother like the brother's gonna love this and like that's the thing is like if just one person says it it can change and we will change the narrative because these things won't exist or like call out a brand not in a negative way just even just to open up that conversation like I recently did it because they literally, some brand had posted, oh, we champion diversity. And the image was all white people. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, so how do you champion diversity? And But then because we didn't in a nice and respectful way, they told us. And then I was like, well, if you look at it in just the context of this one post, which is what I saw because you put paid advertising behind it as well. No one's going to see that as championing diversity. And they were like, oh, actually, that's great to... Like, that's great feedback. We didn't realise that. And just, like, being really conscious about everything you're doing and having those conversations and really sticking true to your values. They can be manifested in every way. Uh, it doesn't have to be everyone working for a nonprofit or social enterprise. Like, there are, every small action does help. And, like, that, that's how we change culture is through these small actions. A hundred percent, even for people that are in the office right now. And I know mm -hmm. like you're all working with someone that's like says a few things that are questionable or are doing things in a certain way, like slowly being able to build up that courage to just ask a question back. Like, oh, what made you, what do you mean by that? Like, that's the yeah. easy thing that you can say like a lot of the time. Like, what do you yeah. mean by that? Or like, what because then they have to back themselves up. 
Yeah. It's like, or, or why are we saying this, you know, or how do we showcase this? I had a, I recently got an email from like this jewelry brand and it was like, um, we, we, we make jewelry that empowers women. And I was like, like, and I went and looked at their like socials and I was like, this doesn't, I don't know where the empowerment of women is. And then I was like, you look like you are exploiting other women who are creating this jewelry that then you are selling triple quadruple, you know, markup price for this. I don't know where the empowerment is here. Um, But thank you for throwing that language around again. Like just taking like one, the copywriter that's doing that email to, to turn around and say, what are we doing to empower women? You know, that's just one little thing. And it gets, even just planting the seed is nice. 100%. You know? I, I know it's been a rough. Something happened last year. Yeah. It was like, I'm pretty sure we were like messaging. I was messaging everyone I knew that was like abroad and, oh, like, are you going home? What's happening? And I think yeah. at that point you were like, no, 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 I'm going to do this out. And I was like, and I was like telling all of my family at home who were stressing out, like, no, nah, all of fun. the other people, I was like, all the other people I know are staying. It's going to mm-hmm. be fine. My other friend in Bali, she's like, no, 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 we're just going to bunker down and it'll be sweet and all of this yeah. stuff. No one knew. Oh, fuck, we're we're, we're all going home. We're all yeah. going home. We're all we're all back at our parents' houses. Oh, we're gosh. all we're all either jobless or lost half of the work that we had, or whatever the situation was. And then it's like, and now I'm starting. I'm starting over. Is yeah. that what I'm doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that was wild. <laughs> but isn't it like I think like it's just such a testament where we are now right Mm -hmm. do you can you acknowledge that like can you look back and be like oh my god it wasn't that long ago that shit had really hit the fan and it has not been that long and like look where you are now like yeah like I think particularly right now where I am at um like a year ago to this day was literally when I lost all three clients oh like three of my biggest clients start a little bit of stuff going on I was going through a lot of personal stuff just in the depths of it all just kind of realizing what was going on and what I was doing kind of feeling really isolated oh yeah it was just a horrendous time and look it hasn't been easy I've still been struggling a lot with almost grieving that part of ourselves like I don't hundred percent when borders are open and clear and that sort of thing, I'm keen to get back out there, but it, I'm a very different person to who I was then as well now. And I almost felt like I had to grieve good old Bali travel tiff. Um, and that was really hard. You know, I think particularly when I saw a lot of my friends still traveling and not in a way that I felt really comfortable with, um, you know, just I think it really made me understand what travel meant to me and like why I was doing it and also the impact it had on other communities. Like that's something I've always kind of been quite wary of, particularly in a place like Bali where it profits so much on the tourism sector, but at the same time it's it really takes it out of the local communities. And over the past year without any tourism money coming in, they've like ridiculously struggled and you know you really question yourself as to like 
well, then like, why am I going into a place like that? And what is the impact I'm creating there? You know, it was quite obvious in the way of like, if I bring COVID in or something like that, that's a very real possibility and impact. But that's also what we're doing every day when we travel of like, what that means for the environment, what that means socially and economically and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I did have the opportunity to leave Australia back in August because I got an exemption based on work and that sort of thing. But it was also like I didn't really feel comfortable doing that either. And also the fact of like um, my family's still here. It's incredibly difficult to come back into Australia right now without paying at least like $10,000 and I didn't want to be away in case anything happened. Like it really just, you know, changed all my values and perceptions and, you know, travel's still really important to me you know, getting out of your comfort zone and trying new places. And also just being in a place that inspired you and being around a community that really inspired you was something that was really important to me. And, you know, it's still something I want to go towards, but at the same time, I think it's made me really aware of this impact that we have and what we can be doing to lessen our impacts and also, you know, create opportunities around the world um, for everyone. Like, even if we just look very simply at, you know, COVID vaccines, it should be available <laughs> across the world. Um, and that sort of thing. And, you know, we're in a weird place in Australia where, you know, us two as young people would never get a vaccine. Um, <laughs> I swear, mm-hmm. we're so far down that list and things like that. But like there are, there are countries that weren't even able to kind of secure any for their like most vulnerable populations. And, you know, what we should be doing to kind of like, you know, if we are a global community and this affected our entire globe in such a profound way, what are we doing to help everyone pull through that as well because we can only get through this if the whole world gets through it together kind of thing so yeah it's just kind of like really really um changed my thinking I don't even know what that question was no 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 that was that was awesome it, it was a turn. <laughs> but, but it is it it, it gave uh, I I did a similar thing like it gave me a lot of time to reflect and be like okay like what do I want when I do go out again? Mm. Like, what's that going to look like? And how am I going to do it well? Yeah, how am I going to do it? How do I do it respectfully and in a way that aligns, again, with the values that I have and my morals and ethically and acknowledging the places that I'm going and and all of that kind of stuff, right? 100%. Um, And it's hard, I think, because Australia's done really well. Um, Yeah. Like, everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky to be in Australia and stuff like that. I've really struggled with saying like, oh, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Cause I, <laughs> I know like, you know, love Sydney. It's beautiful. You know, obviously friends and family are here, but at the same time, like it's not my jam right now. Like I've really found a home in some of the other places I've lived. So it was really hard to kind of settle back into Sydney as well. Cause I thought I'd left it behind. But at the same time, you're still peddling that narrative of, yes, we're really lucky. Oh, my gosh. Like, thank goodness we're here. It, it, yeah, like it, it was it was incredibly difficult to kind of juggle that narrative and also understand like where I needed to be um, and what that all means to me to be in Sydney right now. Yeah. And so since being back and like Sydney not being your real place, like the place that where mm. you felt most at home or inspired and all of that kind of stuff, 
what have you done now to adapt and how are you trying to cultivate that sense of community or make sure you feel inspired and are still living like the tiff that was traveling and living her best life that like have you had to change your perspective and try and figure out how you can make Sydney work for that and and what does that look like for you now yeah definitely like I think community was a huge part of it I really wanted to like find me people Mm. again so like moving into co-living space was fantastic to kind of get back out there and meet some people while also not living with my parents (laughs) uh, which has been great a co-working space again has been really fantastic just you know like ask the universe and the universe sometimes just bloody delivers (laughs) and um I'm now with this co-working space here in Sydney that is for conscious brands amazing which is just like oh seriously just yeah I, I remember going to like my first networking drinks there and I was like damn I feel like I'm back in Bali in that same way that the conversations you were having were about like oh good things and so that's that's been really helpful I've like picked up a lot of hobbies to keep myself <laughs> busy so mainly a lot of dance like I've grown up dancing for a lot of my life my sister and I were both like very involved in dance but I think I dance more now than I ever have um but it's been really really nice like one is just getting the body moving obviously and also just learning new skills that you're able to show off a little bit but also it's just like yeah again being around people but yeah that's going to therapy (laughs) big ups to therapy (laughs) no I love I love all of that and I it it, it was it was like a similar kind of thing thing for me as well it was like Mm. how do I make how do I make the exact same way I was living and and it is about like like you said kind of like grieving that old experience being like well that's not happening and Mm. it's not happening anytime soon how can I make where I am now work in that same way and it is so the common thing is is finding your people finding that community finding all of that stuff we're we're unfortunately getting towards the end of the I feel like I know (laughs) I know I feel like I could talk to you for another hour or so but we do have to finish things up and I have three questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of each episode And, and the first question I have for you is what was the first small step you took to get to where you are right now? I hesitate to say quit my job, but it was. Because, like, I don't want to paddle that narrative of, like, go quit your job and go travel and that's going to solve all your problems. Mm. But for me, quitting the job was more about understanding my limits and actually doing something good for myself. Like, I very easily stayed at my job for six months too long because I felt like I owed them something um, because I felt like I didn't deserve to leave that I needed to wait it out and get through it kind of thing and that was not right I needed to leave and do it for me so I think feeling empowered to make the steps that make sense for you that, that that was actually what that step was so it was quitting my job but you know don't, don't just go quitting your job because that's all just like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that you explained it too. I think because there's a lot of people out there that are just like, just quit, just quit yeah. and life will work. And no, it's no, like, no, 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 no. Oh, 
like that. No. no, I love that. That's a that's a that's an awesome first step. The next question I have for you is, what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And I define a millennial crisis as a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health and well-being. Oh my god! Where do I even begin? <laughs> it's like which one? <laughs> I think it's in like really owning what I want and not feeling bad about it. I think, you know, I want to do the things I want to do, which just sounds so like, you know, the classic, oh, you millennials don't know how to work hard and that sort of thing. But it's not that. It's about, you know, choosing the life you want, right, and giving energy and time towards the things you want to actually build. Like I think particularly in a business or something like that, like I'm spending way too much time doing accounting when like that is not what I want to be doing and not my strengths and I need to, you know, outsource that. Um, but, yeah, like I just I just want to live the life I want to live and I feel like I'm still not. Yeah. Because- I don't know if that's really a problem. But no, I, that's, a, that's a great millennial crisis, I think. <laughs> and I think it's one that a lot of people can relate to because you mm-hmm. often do feel guilty when you are making sort of choices or people are questioning them and all of that kind of stuff. And it is, it is, uh, it doesn't mean you're not grateful for it, but it's yeah. like, yeah, just like you said. Oh, right. Back in my day, we <laughs> yeah. didn't complain about this thing. And I'm like, but I'm allowed to complain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. No, that, that's awesome. And the, the final question before we get to the challenge um, mm. I have for you is what is one thing you are still curious about, you are curious about or want to explore? Just in life and in, in life, in anything. Yeah. Um, well, as you can tell, I'm quite a nerd sometimes. And so there's like a lot of weird, like psychological stuff. Like, I, yeah, I think I just want to like learn more around like psychology and even like, yeah, like pertaining towards like creativity and the minds and like how they work productivity wise and how social media affects all of that and all that like fun theory stuff. Yeah. So I already read a lot about. Um, but even like, like, starting to get a little bit into the woo-woo stuff and spirituality and that sort of thing like grow up Christian and everything and still um you know that's entrenched in my mind a little bit but like yeah just like random things like that I love that I love that that's so fun yeah for sure um well thank you first off so much for coming on the podcast and I know that you have a challenge in mind um to set everyone this week do you want to let everyone know what what you're challenging them to do this week and then we'll um let everyone know where they can get in touch with you and and follow you and um and let you know how they went with the challenge that you're setting as well yeah well my challenge is to do with purpose obviously and what we were talking around you know, knowing the value you can bring um, and having that aligned with your personal values. So my challenge is around knowing what your global goal is. So that's the UN Sustainable Development Goals that were set a couple of years ago as the 17 different goals that will help, you know, make the world a better place. And there's everything from like clean water to infrastructure to partnerships and everyone actually working together to make it all happen. 
But I think when we talk about how do we make impact, how do we do work that aligns with our values, how do we drive with purpose, aligning with one defining goal can really help manifest all of that. Because it's not to say that like my personal global goal is um, gender empowerment and gender equality. Because I think that in fixing gender equality, we can fix the problems of the environment with diversity, with all of these other things. And then so that's where I stem from a lot of my work as well. It's like if we have women at the table in conversations, in social, in, in, in power and that sort of thing, that's where we can move forward and that sort of thing. So there is like a test online you can do that's like a quick quiz to find out what your global goal is and when you have that like one defining thing even if it isn't like like have that as your core value and see how you can work every day to manifest that value in even the smallest ways amazing i love that i think that's gonna be so much fun and um Mm -hmm. i will link that little quiz thing um in the show notes as well tiff will share that with me and i'll put that in the show notes um so you guys can do that and i'm gonna do that too i didn't even know you could take a quiz thing for that that's really cool um i love that um and then if people want to let you know or ask you any questions or connect in any way where is the best place for them to do that um through my company business website socials and all of the above so the social story co um across instagram facebook linkedin um and also the social story.co as our website um yeah just get in touch let me know your thoughts um on our socials particularly we talk a lot around that kind of kindness thing of like how you can be just not be a dick online and um feel more empowered in what you post on social um to make it a better place essentially and um yeah and then just a little bit of more insight around me and what I do back home amazing and all of that will be linked in the show notes as well again thank you so much Tiff for coming on um it was a brilliant conversation I'm sure Everyone um, learned a lot from your story and I hope um, I'm really excited to hear what people um, get with that, with that quiz and, and how that impacts or shapes their perspective on things. I think that's really cool. And it's going to be really fun for everyone to do. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, it was such a pleasure to share my story with you. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend or leave a review. It helps me continue to bring on amazing guests like Tiff. If you check out the show notes, you'll be able to find out more about Tiff and the social story, as well as links to this week's challenge quiz. If you do that, let me know how you went or share your results to your stories and be sure to tag us at The Millennial Crisis. That's all for this week. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.